Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. All right, so someone pulls the fire alarm. Tell me yes, more. because she thought it was a mailbox. And so she put the letter in there, and she was waiting there for it to go down or something. She didn't know what to do. She was stuck. Um, and she waited there until somebody came, and she wasn't speaking English. She was speaking gibberish. Uh, so they put her in a psychiatric uh, facility. And because of the ethnicity of the doctors, too, sometimes there were miscommunications. Uh, I remember at a meeting one time, the doctor was talking about one of the patients, saying the patient was delusional because she believed she had uh, insects inside her. So I asked her, what were the exact words she said? And the doctor said she had butterflies in her stomach. <laughs> so I had to explain to the doctor that that's an English, you know, an American English maybe or English English expression for when somebody's nervous. So the person actually didn't believe that they had real butterflies in their stomach. So, so again, there was so much miscommunication and because of differences in cultural reality. At the time when I was deeply in that field, I felt I should address it in some way. And there, the fact that I experienced things that other people weren't experiencing, in part because the culture I grew up in told me it was okay to experience these things, um, you know, I guess made me sympathetic toward other people who were in the same boat. Part of your... Um journey, so to speak. Uh, and I'm thinking about how you first uh, met, say, like, you know, Tim Beckley and and, and John Keel involved at, at, what was it, was it the Fordian Society there in New York? Yes, I first uh, met John Keel there because it was his Fordian Society and there was like uh, Stan Friedman uh, and a, b- a bunch of folk like that. I met Tim Beckley there, I believe. And then I got uh, back in touch with uh, Tim when I was uh, doing either a podcast or an e-magazine. I was doing something. So uh, I figured, let me get in touch with uh, Tim again. And uh, I started reviewing some of his books and his movies. He was making movies at the time. And we stayed in touch after that. And eventually he allowed for a childhood fantasy of mine to come true. Uh, I always loved those books. They, initially, he was reprinting hard-to-find books. And they were in spiral notebooks, and that was great, too, because a lot of the cult books back then, you had to go to uh, Wiser's or some antiquarian bookstore and pay ridiculous amounts of money and wait uh, really long periods of time to get it. So Tim reprinting them was uh, a great uh, thing. Uh, I was a big fan of Brad Steiger and uh, all the other authors that were in these books, and I could think of nothing better to be in my life than one of these intrepid uh, reporters who were investigating things and then writing about them and sharing them with others. And, you know, they were kind of lurid titles, so they were fun. So eventually I became part of that. Again, that was a dream come true, so I'm very grateful that that happened. The Fortean Society, you think about all of the people that uh, were at these meetings. I mean, how did you find out about it in the first place? I mean, do you add in the uh, paper or something? An ad someplace in one of the, it might have even been the Conspiracy Journal. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if it was, I don't think it was around at that time. (laughs) Well, one of the equivalent to it, but, but it was somewhere in there or in the paper or something, so... You know, New York is someplace that's easy to get from point A to point B with a train or a bus or a combination. But, so I went to a meeting, 
you know, I was hooked. So as long as I was able to, I, I continued to attend. I wasn't a regular uh, attendee uh, every time, but I went uh, fairly often for a number of years. And that was it. I felt home. I felt at home. That building was right next door to uh, Tim Beckley's apartment, uh, in fact. That I did not know. But I remember that thin, yep. the thin, thin building and all the stairs and... Well, There's something about I've, the bathrooms too. I don't remember what it was. But I <laughs> uh, well, unfortunately, it's now gone, and a uh, skyscraper oh. is. God, they they may be done with it by now, but uh, I know that before Beckley passed away, they were building this uh, uh, this building that was dwarfing, you know, the well, I think it's like maybe six story apartment building that he lived at. So, yeah, that that whole area has changed. Yeah, as you know, I dedicate uh, some of my shows to the memory of Tim Beckley uh, because, again, even though I didn't know Tim very well, you know, and uh, uh, other than the time I was uh, reviewing his things and uh, Dennis started writing his things, we didn't really have a lot of contact. Uh, he was a very significant figure in my life and how it turned out. So um, I'm grateful uh, to him, and uh, I'm really honored uh, to be part of the legacy that he left us. It's great, though, because he was able to bring you in and have you write chapters in books that you wouldn't think that that you would have anything to be able to uh, contribute to. And I know that Gene had found one of these uh, older books. It's still available on Amazon.com, by the way, if anybody wants to uh, uh, go out and uh, get a copy. It's called UFO Hostilities and the Evil alien agenda and i've got a couple chapters in that as well mm -hmm. but the uh, subtitle lethal encounters with ultra terrestrials exposed and you know the book basically is talking about uh maybe not so friendly contacts and uh ufo encounters and uh, you've got a chapter in that book as as well. So now, I mean, how could you know, like for you know, like from your experience and 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 what you know, I mean, you know, what kind of chapter would you write for a book like this? Well, I wrote a chapter for for this book, and uh, um, basically, some of the information that we talked about tonight is uh, from that book. Mm -hmm. That uh, um, I believe. As the ancients believed, you know, let's bring the word the daemon and demon up again, that there's, I guess, good and bad to be found in everyone and everything. And it's hard to generalize because uh, even in the mythology, some of the gods were well disposed towards humans and some of the gods weren't. And they were impatient and uh, with humans or they manipulated humans or, or so forth. So, in, in this was their regular behavior, and in fact, it's one of the reasons why I no longer feel comfortable with Christianity, because in, in Christianity, God is good, regardless of what uh, he does. And uh, in, the, in the Bible, at least my reading of it, and I read it several times as a kid, um, many horrible things happened in there. So I couldn't reconcile with those horrible things happening and being good uh, whereas in Greek mythology, horrible things happened because people or gods did them. And even though, like, people do things because they could, and gods who have more power than people probably do things because they can and because they wish to, and 
how it affects humanity may not factor into it at all. So the gods gave us uh, gifts, but the gods were also beings like us. You know, they, they did things for their own reasons. So I felt much more comfortable with that because I could understand that uh, because the human thing and the gods were like humans uh, writ large. So, well, do you do you see other uh, similarities with um, our our modern ideas or uh, of the UFO phenomena and the possibility that we're being visited uh, uh, by by extraterrestrials or the other side that you know they could be some kind of of uh, you know, uh, multidimensional you know what have you and these the old stories of of uh, the gods i mean are there are there similarities yes i believe there's similarities uh, i'm uh-huh. i i've come to i view them as different ways at different times so just because i view them in this way now uh it doesn't mean that uh something won't change my mind at some point because i'm always exploring the the mysteries of the gods but I've come to see them almost as uh, ancestral spirits. And mm-hmm. I really believe that in some way we're them here. So some philosophies have described like uh, our experience of reality as an illusion, a maya. And I, I believe that just like when we dream and we go into an unconscious place where, again, we could live with some other people, be married to other people, have other types of jobs, other types of lives, other types of dwellings and, and things like that, it makes sense within the context of the dream. I believe that this is the dream of the gods. And there were dream fragments of the gods. We have more fragments. We're breaking apart here with fragment after fragment with Gene and Tim and Hercules are in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com life can be full of risks one thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance if you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it we specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it we have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental vision and prescription drugs don't take a risk with your family 
family's health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. That's 800-670-0946. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. More legends, lore, the gods, ancient astronauts, all sorts of mysteries. We're focusing on here. Hercules Invictus joins us. Please proceed, sir. Well, I I love being in the Paracast, by the way. It is a cool place to be, and uh, I'm grateful for this conversation. By the way, for doing that, we'll send you the invoice. (laughs) (laughs) The inner voice, yes. Send me the inner voice. So that makes sure and said as well. So... For now, it kind of makes uh, sense, uh, and it merges a little bit some of the celestial theories of the planetary spirits and uh, uh, that type of understanding of the celestials and the mythical information and uh, what I've learned from Jungian psychology and transpersonal psychology, that the, the gods, whatever they are, are beyond our comprehension in a way. 
And they could exist physically, but they also exist in other spaces. And we have a relationship with them. Uh, and uh, we embody certain archetypes and we live out certain stories. And these stories, when you look at them more globally, uh, they conform very much to metaphysical and mythological um, tales. And there are people who, you know, have explored that very thoroughly. And there's tons of books, which have a couple of shelves just on like that, that with the, the living the archetypes and uh, games people play, scripts people live beyond games and scripts, and you know that type of book too that sh- shows you how we live out stories. When I used to teach to people in uh, psychiatric hospitals, we uh, would talk about that. Like, um, how do you know when you're projecting? How do you know when you're actually living in reality and you're not? or you're not living in reality. And it's kind of like when you hear somebody um, soapboxing, you have to ask yourself, who are they talking to? Because they're they're very passionate about what they're saying. Usually, uh, if you know the person, if you work with the person in a therapeutic setting, they're talking to somebody in their life or they're talking to themselves, you know, when there's that strong emotion. And also when people say all, so all men or all women or all Greeks or all UFO enthusiasts or all ancient astronaut uh, aficionados or theorists, uh, when you're categorizing people in a uh, group and they become all, and then the same thing keeps happening to you, so it's like you're typecasting people in certain roles, then you're living in a story. So you become aware how easy it is to live in stories and how we tell each other stories and how we share stories and how we live out those stories and can we be free from stories? And that's a difficult one because you're just telling yourself a new story. So I believe that with the new guises of the gods, there are many different ways of approaching what the gods are and they're a mystery. They're beyond human, they're beyond our comprehension, but again, we have something to do with them. So that reflects my current understanding. While I'm still breathing, I'm going to amuse myself with trying to... <laughs> See if I find even better explanations as time goes on. But I've held that one for a while now. But looking at the reality here, is there any mm-hmm. sense here that all these things reported so many years ago had a singular real source? Or is it just the story gets started, they're trying to figure out the lay of the universe, and they come up with these legends and it just spreads? That's part of it, but it's based on reality or reality that impressed itself upon people. Um, Look at our political situation, and I won't get into the political situation. People are so polarized. Um, I try to watch both sides of the the reports, and both sides are accusing each other of the same things. Uh, And uh, again, you have these stories that are being told by two or more groups of people, but the actual unfolding events don't really match what stories are, but people believe very vehemently in the the stories. But these are the same stories that are told throughout our history and throughout the the history of the world. You can find these tales being told in uh, ancient Greece and ancient Rome and and so forth. So there is a pattern of programmed human behavior that produces these stories, and that's why we resonate with these stories. But I believe that they were inspired by uh, similar events. So let's look at Zeus, for instance. Zeus is the the god, the main god of the Olympian pantheon. And he does a lot of things that very powerful people who are in charge of things do. 
and the stories reflect that. And they're not they're not stories in spiritually in the sense where we see them like uh, instructions on how to live different or better. Sometimes the story is very clearly a warning to not do something. <laughs> so this is the story. It's a it's a lesson in what not to do rather than in what to do. So the, the stories can be beneficial uh, if you look at them in, in terms of our modern understanding of spirituality. They become again they become confusing. They become distorted. They're not really reflecting the truth. Uh, the the Romans and the Greeks believed that there were more than one Hercules. The Romans gave the number as forty four, and the Greeks gave the number as five, I believe. And one of the Hercules was supposed to be short, and another one of the Hercules was uh, was an engineer who drained swamps. <laughs> so all of these were Hercules, and they all gave birth to or supported the, the stories, but it wasn't just one person who was Hercules. There was a person initially who was Hercules and must have been very powerful and must have accomplished very many great things, but then other people's lives fed into the story and expanded it. And then when once it became a pattern, it came to life. And then people live the stories because that's what we do. Like uh, if you have a favorite song, if, if you're listening to a favorite song, you have to ask yourself why are you sing that, that song? Why are you attracted to that song? And it's usually because something like that is going on in your life or in the life of someone very close to you. So there's some resonance there, and the resonance, it gives you the answer a little bit. It's like looking into a mirror. So I suspect it's the same thing. I've, I've loved the Hercules story since I was young. My name, my birth name, which is long Greek and unpronounceable, uh, translate um, into Hercules and the color blue. And now, that, especially with the Theosophists, there's a whole mythology with Hercules and the color blue, which, again, I don't think there's time to get into here. But how did that come about? How did that become relevant? How are they related to each other? I don't know, but... The, because it's something that's true, I've looked into it. I've tried to understand it, and uh, I, I think I've come to some understanding of it for now until, again, better explanations uh, uh, reach me. Some of the things coming out through the UFO uh, spiritualities are actually quite old, and many of the UFO groups I've dealt with, or the cosmic spirituality groups, aren't aware that a lot of the things that they're saying that they've channeled the uh, uh, are actually stuff you could find in books if you knew where to look from antiquity. Well, that's a very interesting thing about the UFO enigma. We find people trying to reinvent the wheel, and all they do is repeat the history. So we hear the right. same things over and over again. But the worst is that they treat it as a new subject, forgetting just the recent years, back to 1947, forgetting the stuff that happened decades, hundreds of years ago. And the problem, of course, that we always hear is that old phrase, those who ignore history are condemned to repeat it. And we certainly, if we're going to learn anything new, we can't just redo the old stuff all over again. It gets tiresome. We've got Hercules, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. 
These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. USA News Update. The upcoming crewed rocket launch from Florida Space Coast scheduled for next month, March 1st. NASA said three astronauts and a cosmonaut will embark on a Falcon 9 rocket from SpaceX to the International Space Station and spend six months conducting research. Former President Trump has been ordered to pay more than $350 million in his New York State civil fraud trial. He's also facing a three-year ban on conducting business in New York State. A former FBI informant facing charges for allegedly lying about President Biden's involvement in his son Hunter's foreign business dealings. Egypt reportedly building a refugee camp near the Gaza border in anticipation of a potential conflict if Israel attacks the southern city of Rafah. Corey Myers, USA News. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply, plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. It's easy to see. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines. Instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families, we all know something big is coming. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming more self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, and they make it easy for you to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure some emergency food kits. There's a dozen to choose from that contain tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, heirloom seeds for your garden, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items will ship that same day. Time is short. Prepare today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Hi, this is Tracy Torme, screenwriter-producer. You're listening to Paracast. 
the gold standard of paranormal radio. So I guess I'm saying, Hercules, is we're recovering old ground. I understand understanding our ancient history is another subject, but by redoing everything over and over again, how do we learn anything? I, I look at that in insofar as the belief that uh, this is a classroom of some sort. So if you're moving through a curriculum and you have different subjects, um, you pass through that and then you move on to something else, whether it's straight ahead or sideways or backwards. But the class repeats itself for another bunch of people. So I, I like the theory of like that there's life streams and that this is a schoolroom and that you graduate from one level, which is a very common thing in the apotheosis or the ascension the literature, and uh, you move on to something else, and then somebody else comes and takes the classes, and every now and then the cur- curriculum is modified uh, because uh, you don't need the, the information is no longer needed or it's, uh, it's no longer relevant or it's no longer true based on our current uh, understanding. And that explains to me uh, when I was young, and I used to have dreams of receiving instruction in these amphitheaters. I had a lot of dreams where I went to classes, actual classes, and I met other people who described the same places and same classes over the years. Then as an adult, I've dreamed of giving instruction in these places, and I've met people who also had those dreams as well. Is it what we perceive it to be or think it to be? It seems so. But again, this is a very elusive phenomenon, and it transcends our current understanding. So that might be a symbolic representation, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I believe that we're here for a reason and that we choose that reason to some extent. And uh, then we keep learning through experiences, and sometimes we learn through the experience and we can move on, and other times we get stuck in the experience and we can't. But there isn't anything sinister going on. Not that many of the entities you encounter might not be uh, dangerous or evil or uh, something like that, but I, I tend to view all the entities as uh, uh, beings of light that can shapeshift and uh, they have their own motivations and they do things because they do them. And just like I don't go through life uh, paranoid about other people, if someone gives me a reason not to trust them, I won't trust them. If someone uh, gives me a reason not to talk to them, I won't uh, talk to them. But I don't assume that all people are evil just because some people you know, might not have my best interest at heart or might uh, do harmful things. So I found that that works well when dealing with other entities. They just basically give it a chance and then see where it takes from there. Um, I have a cat story that I've told like a million times that fits in here. When we lived in Pennsylvania, we had, we had like we have now pets. And back then it was uh, lots of cats. So we had lots of cats, but we didn't have a gray Siamese cat. The people coming to visit us saw a gray Siamese cat, and we saw a gray Siamese cat. So it was a ghost cat. So it took me two years of having that ghost cat with all the ghostly manifestations to decide that it was a ghost and not something pretending to be a cat. One of our cats had kittens, and then we didn't see the ghost cat anymore. Uh, so I started calling out ghost to the... Uh, the kittens and one of the kittens who looked like a gray Siamese at birth. Uh, now she's a black cat. Uh, she started coming over before she could even walk. She was trying to crawl over to me whenever I called out when how I used to call out the, the ghost kitty. 
And we still have her many years later, and she's the last cat that we have that's, that's alive. But she never behaved like a cat. Even now, she doesn't behave like a cat. So she was cat-like. She looks like a cat. She's a solid cat now rather than a ghost cat. But she was a ghost cat for a long time, and a lot of people felt her. They felt her rubbing against her legs, or they saw her standing on the banister. Again, is my is my interpretation of that correct? I believe so, uh, based on a lifetime of interpretation of such phenomenon in reading and talking to people. But is that what actually is going on? I, I really can't tell you. I don't think anybody can. She was just waiting for the opportunity to manifest materially. Yes, that's what I think. That's what I believe. And she spent time with us as a ghost for a couple of years before she was given the opportunity to be born because uh, we tried not to allow our cats to get pregnant, um, but this time it happened. So sometimes she's a pain in the ass, and I tell her I know why she was a ghost cat <laughs> for so long. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I've i always had this difficulty with, like, explaining something. I explain things to the best of my ability, uh, but I really have to admit that, you know, uh, honestly, I don't really know. And a lot of times uh, I'll find a better explanation than the one I have, and I'll adopt that one for a while and see how it feels. But uh, uh, that's not a bad thing not to know. Socrates is accounted the wisest of Greeks because he knew how, how little he actually knew. So I try to keep an open, <laughs> open mind of things. I enjoy them. They're what my life is all about. I'll pursue them, and as long as I can read and uh, uh, be coherent, uh, I'm going to be spending time with these things and uh, writing more about them. Um, but it, it's a it's a mystery, and I'm okay with it being a mystery. You know, what's interesting to me about trying to understand events of years ago or even yesterday, you can see a news story about something that happened two hours ago, a very simple thing. And you look at news source number one, unmentionable. Uh-huh. You have one version. News source number two, unmentionable. The opposite version. A core, right. simple set of facts, something you can possibly read in a document. But we have two versions of what happened. So if two news sources today can't figure out what happened two hours ago, how do we know what happened two weeks ago six months ago, 40 years ago, 2,000 years ago. It seems like an impossibility. Yeah, yes, it does. And, and, and as you pointed out, which sources do you trust? And, uh, um, you know, why do you trust them? And because people are people and they have different perspectives, um, again, they tell, tell the same story, but it's uh, from different perspectives. But they're using the same words and the same uh situations that they're describing, but they're accusing somebody else of doing it uh, instead of uh, them. And uh, uh, that's uh, an unfortunate thing in trying to get to the truth of anything, but it's, it's something you need to contend to. A lot of times you find that something you believe was true was actually a fraud. You know, it was a deliberate fraud and it was perpetuated for whatever uh, reason by a bunch of people who uh, um, had uh, a reason to. Uh, otherwise, uh, you have things that uh, you thought were uh, frauds that turn out to be true. And uh, a lot of the conspiracy literature uh, points to that. Is there a particular example I, of something that 
was always thought to be a fraud that ended up being true, something you want to talk about? Sure. One thing that I could think of offhand was the Fox sisters. Uh, for a long time, the story was, you know, that they gave birth to spiritualism uh, because of what they were experiencing. And then one of the sisters uh, confessed and uh, showed how the fraud was uh, perpetuated. And uh, so it was it was fake. Um, so when you investigate that story again later on, you find out that she was under financial pressure and that she was given money to denounce uh um, you know, what she'd experienced. But uh, uh, she now claimed again that she this is something she experienced. So it's fraudulence is no is something that's now in question. Which time did she tell the truth? She gave, she gave a, a story that uh, she claimed was the truth. Then she gave a story that she, she claimed the world was the truth was a lie. And then subsequent research shows that uh, she was lying when she recanted. So what actually happened again, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. But, so it's uh, about the lying truth exactly. and the truthful lie. Sounds like something they use in an old Star Trek episode to confuse a computerized system by simply yeah. saying <laughs> simple, contradictory, ridiculous things and ended up being more contradictory and more ridiculous. This is not ridiculous, folks. Hercules Invictus has lots of good stuff to offer. I'm Gene. He's Tim. You're in the Pericast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast dot plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is ShopSuperTea.com. Or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com.
I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, If you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call them toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. So in a court of law, if it was shown that somebody confessed to a hoax, then unconfessed, that person's testimony would be thoroughly dismissed, wouldn't it? I imagine so. So which version do you believe? That depends what story you'd like to tell or that you need to tell. If you were of the belief that spiritualism is uh, evil and full of uh, um, hoaxers, then the the story that uh, she told when she was denouncing these things would be the story that you'd accept, and you wouldn't accept uh, her initial uh, truth, and you wouldn't accept uh, subsequent uh, research that didn't say she was telling the truth, but that she was lying definitely when uh, she recanted a lot of stuff. If you believe in these things and you believe that there are people out there to get you, if you talk about them, then you're going to take the initial uh, things that she said and then the where it was pointed that her recantations were not uh, on the up and up and accept those as truth. And that becomes part of the story that you're telling. And, you know, because we believe these stories with feeling we're going to share these stories and we're going to tell these stories and again it's the person's truth when i had the regional folklore society in the center for the study of living myth we listened to a lot of stories and some of them were easier to believe than others um but th- this story is a story that the person experienced something and they're living the story and that story affects them and it affects the people around them and sometimes that story could affect uh, entire cultures 
and become like a, a belief system. So I respected the fact that people were sharing their stories. Uh, people uh, would uh, thank us because they never they didn't have places uh, to talk about these things, and here they can come and talk and find out that other people were having experiences like them. So again, the ultimate truth of them, I don't know. Even the the, the ultimate truth of things I experienced personally, uh, I believe they happened, and I try to be truthful. Uh, but who knows? Maybe what I'm sharing is a distortion uh, that uh, I produced honestly, but maybe it might not be 100% correct. Maybe I, I stumble across some piece of psychological information or uh, occult information that all of a sudden makes me view it in a totally different way. And that's not a, that's not a bad thing. And I like sharing these stories because I find them thrilling and exciting. People who experience these things like me and look into them, uh, they're very similar people to how I am. So we see the world in the, in the same way. And these are fun things to explore, and they're central to who we are. Because if you're stuck living scripts or stories, if you could change the story or be at least aware that you're living a story, that gives you a tremendous amount of freedom. Whereas if you're stuck in a story that you think is the truth, regardless of what the truth happens to be, it affects you, continues to affect you, and then you're powerless against it, and you feel victimized. So I'd rather feel free to choose my story based on whatever criteria I, I consider to be uh, most truthful and uh, uh, that explain a lot about what I'm experiencing and how to use it in the world than to believe something that's patently you know, untrue to me at that particular point in time. And sometimes by listening to people who disagree with you or who interpret the stories uh, totally differently, you could kind of see how they wove their story together. And sometimes you let go of the negative parts of your reaction to the story that they're telling. Let me ask you a question here. Is there a particular story that you accepted as real, but later learned to be false? Any examples? Um... There's one example that I that I uh, like that I question. This happens uh, occasionally. Sometimes it happens a lot. But it, it, for instance, there's something there behind the stories. They're not just words and stories. Uh, like uh, for instance, uh, some of the UFO aliens that are perceived come from literature or movies. So I don't doubt that the person experienced something and they interacted with something. But that something couldn't be like. Uh, trying to remember what monster looked like. It was a monster that was in movies that people were perceiving uh, for a while. And uh, I'm doing a couple of series about the UFO entity enigmas, and uh, there, too, some of the entities that people are encountering now, like the Agarthans, um, have their roots in uh, literature, obscure and fringe literature, yes, but literature, some of the things that these beings are telling people, or the reptilians, although there have been uh, reptile cults and snake cults since the dawn of time, and we have ample evidence of that, uh, in the Greek tales, there's full of, they're full of snake people, some of them bad, some of them good. Cecrops, the first uh, king of Athens, was a snake person. And a lot of the literature with the snake people, too, it entered into the story that's being told about the uh, of snake people or the serpent people through Conan the Barbarian and Lovecraft. You know, the information about them being able to assume shapes and look like people and infiltrate uh, institutions, those arose in fantasy literature. So that's an example of something where it makes you question how these experiences take place or what these experiences are, uh, because they're using what's obviously fiction and not, not occultism disguised as fiction, but fiction fiction. 
uh, when you research them. So that's that's one of the questions uh, I'm contemplating with my group right right now. How do you make sense of that? Because it's part of the story that's being told. It's part of the new UFO mythology. It's uh, very popular. It's very prevalent. Uh, a lot of people believe in it. Um, a lot of these elements come from Robert E. Howard, who uh, uh, was the person who created Conan, and uh, Lovecraft, who corresponded with him. So these the elements where the serpent people could turn into humans or disguise themselves as humans and infiltrate human society and institutions for power and control, those entered the snake person story after Lovecraft and Howard. But now they're part of the accepted canon about the... Uh, uh, serpent people. So that's the type of aspect of the phenomenon where you get like a sense of someone's playing with you, or there's some mechanism at work here that's hard to identify. So is it, what, why is it so deceptive? Why is it drawing from literature unless it's something different than what people think it is? So Hercules, you're quite a busy person. Can you tell us what your plans are for the next year or so in terms of researching these mysteries? Uh, sure. Uh, what I've been doing through the UFO Entity Enigma, which is one of my uh, Zoom podcasts for YouTube, uh, is we're, we're looking at the different uh, mythical races or archetypes that appear in the UFO literature, everything from the contactees to the, pre- to the present, um, and going over the stories and then exploring the stories from various angles. So I'm going to continue to build on that. I started giving local presentations again, and I got a group together that's really interested in this. They have long histories with the phenomenon and with its study. Some people belong to uh, fraternal organizations that uh, uh, have occult elements in them. So it's it's a pretty interesting bunch of uh, people, a lot of different perspectives, and we're looking at it through those different perspectives. So, okay, so... There are a lot of people in the group who uh, have different perspectives, and our goal is not to establish a set of beliefs about anything or everything, but to explore the different perspectives that exist about something uh, to see maybe there's something in the puzzle that we're missing. And uh, then we're also going to start investigating. Uh, I used to investigate uh, more actively when we lived in Pennsylvania over a decade ago. Uh, and that was that was interesting. It was mostly uh, cryptids uh, and people report seeing like crawling hands or uh, crawling octopuses or crawling beats. You know, it was the same type of story. Hey there, Hercules. Okay. Please tell our listeners if they want to know more of what you do, where can they check you out? Um, the best way to find me is on uh, Facebook at this particular point in time and on YouTube. Uh, Hercules Invictus, that's the name of my channels. I'm also on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, and uh, I do a lot uh, locally. I'm very active in my community, and I'm very active in uh, all things uh, high strangeness. Ah, sounds strange to me. You can find us on Twitter, which is now X, and maybe next year will be Y, but it could be (laughs) Z. Also Facebook, also threads as The Paracast. You can get branded merchandise at theparacast.shop, theparacast.shop for logos to choose from and don't forget the paracast plus at the paracast.plus for fast sign up you get this show with better audio free of the network ads how about that and the exclusive unique after the paracast podcast where you never know what's going to happen and hercules invictus will be back for that 
check out the best rates ever, the Paracast.plus, the Paracast.plus. Hercules Invictus, thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you to both of you. It's been a great experience as always, and I look forward to repeating it as soon as we can arrange that. Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Are you curious about what might be missing from your diet and supplement choices? Take a free health assessment to identify your possible nutrient deficiencies. As a certified holistic health coach, I will help you assess and prioritize a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833 833- Eight four eight two five nine zero. That's eight three three vital ninety. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about ninety for life for years. Sixty minerals, sixteen vitamins, twelve amino acids, two fatty acids. You may not know this that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need ninety for life too. Get this essential pet product by calling eight seven seven two seven nine nine four two two. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422.